the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. And shout out to our super producer, Max Adenda Williams. (laughs) Boom selector. This is, speaking of selector, these are some selects for us. You're Noel. I am Ben. Yeah. We are doing something different. It's our first quote-unquote clip show, a matroshka doll of segues. Yeah, we're kind of like... Cure, we're like DJs on the BBC, you know, like a uh, playlist or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is funny because backstage, just a brief explanation, uh, Max, Noel, and I talked about the different things that get left out of episodes. Because you know how it is when you're deep in research, you're a sponge, you gra- gather all this stuff, and sometimes it doesn't make it in because of time or because it's an interesting fact that may not fit the story. So we're doing something kind of like, as as Max pointed out, kind of like Morty's mind blowers from the show Rick and Morty or interdimensional cable. Now that I think about it, well, speaking of the kind of stuff you see in that Rick and Morty episode, Ben, I love the idea of a sponge gathering things. I'm just picturing a a sort of anthropomorphic sponge with weird long uh, arms, yeah, just yeah, kind yeah. of gathering things up in baskets. Love it. Yes, so we are. That's what we are doing. That's who we are today. Uh, we have. A lot of tangents and trivia, and we just wanted to explore some of these interesting ones that we couldn't let go of. They didn't make it in the show. Also, we want to explore that we have a fourth person here. We do. We have our special guest, Alex Circa. Alex, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Nice on air. Yeah, it's like we're we're being observed. The weakest one will go. We've got the observation windows on the outside mm-hmm. here. People looky loos, and then we got these looky loos over here. We've got the cameras. We've got a big television oh, screen. What a time. We should just put someone on the screen, just like a 
still image very awkwardly stare at very, him. Just some like random person. I would go Christopher. I think well, it's live. They're just like nodding their head if they like it or hmm. the most boring <laughs> cam feed of all time. Just for sure. Put on C-SPAN. Why not? Put on the crazy compilation clips of C-SPAN. Anyway, speaking of clips, uh, no, maybe we open with this one. A while back, we looked at nuclear test sites. We looked at broken arrows. Very interesting and surprisingly terrifying. Well, it's not surprising. It's uh, regular terrifying. <laughs> Losing nukes is crazy. Uh, we wanted to explore nuclear test sites we didn't get a chance to do this in the episode. Folks, it turns out there are some nuclear test sites you can visit today. Cool. Bring your own Geiger counter. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they even issue them. I love the sound those things make. Those little click, click, click the sounds. The clickety-clackety. I feel bad. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. I did see the Barbie movie, though, and it was delightful. But yeah, Trinity, of course, uh, back where it all began. In Socorro, New Mexico um, is obviously a very important location in the film Oppenheimer yes. about the creation of the atomic bomb on July 16th, 1945 in New Mexico, deep, deep New Mexico. The age of atom was birthed. Mm-hmm. And this is weird. Okay, there are some caveats with exploring this test site. The U.S. military detonated a 13-pound plutonium contraption. It just annihilated things. It was almost, it was like biblical. A 600-foot-wide fireball, sand is turning into glass, windows 120 miles away, they're just popping. And and people didn't know about the test. They were like, ah, I should have bought, I shouldn't have gone cheap on the windows. Exactly. Is this, uh, this, uh, you mentioned it as a contraption. Was this the one that was referred to as the gadget? Yes. Yeah, that was uh, (laughs) Go-Go Gadget Apocalypse. Am I right? They didn't have a lot of time to work on the name. They were focused on other stuff. The thingy. Yeah. Yeah. The whatchamacallit, the doodad. Here's the deal. And I have a a good friend who lives in Atlanta, our our pal Steve Dixie. Uh, He has visited this site and he had to plan ahead because, here's the big caveat, The site of the Trinity detonation is open to the public, but only one day out of the year. Really? The first Saturday of April. That's wild. And apparently it's worth the trip. Okay. What happens the rest of the Saturdays and other days? I don't know. It's like blocked off. Are there like, you know, uh, shooters on on towers to keep you away? Like, what are we talking (laughs) here? Why, why, Why all the... Hush, hush. It's super, it's super exclusive, I guess. You know what? If we, if... What we have learned about the U.S. government is correct. It might just be a budget thing. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe they got like they they made the budget for visitors, and they didn't remember to carry a digit, and so now they only have the one day. Let's pause one moment. There's a quick addendum here. It turns out that the Trinity site is actually open not just one day a year, but two days per year. So you can go on the first Saturday in April or the third Saturday in October, which is coming up soon. Well, uh, another spot you can visit if you want to see some nuclear craters uh, is the Marshall Islands, where you can visit some nuclear crater concrete domes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The U.S. has a long history that we've discussed multiple times of using remote island um, areas in Mm -hmm. order to blow things up and to test uh, weaponry, you know, because it's fine. It's out of the way. It's good. Mm -hmm. We don't need to worry about the aftermath, right? 
Sure. Yeah. You know what? It's so chill. We probably don't even have to ask the people who live there. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine with it. And if you want to learn more, check out Stuff They Want You Know's episode on nuclear testing in the Marshall Islands. The Marshall Islands were only one example. Islands and atolls in the South Pacific were used in like over 100 times mm-hmm. for nuclear tests. And there wasn't a, a real effort to clean this up until the 1970s. Tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. It's, always that, it's always that lag. It's like what we just talked about with Nader and like traffic safety. Oh, yeah. You know, people have been driving cars for practically 100 years before people thought maybe we should uh, make sure people don't die mm-hmm. uh, as a result of the things that we've let out into the world for money yeah. and or you know, uh, global supremacy. Oh, yeah, nuclear. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's there's a weird story with that one, too, because this crater that we're talking about, the crater was created in a nuclear test codenamed Cactus. And I feel like that's just very bad security because if people are spying on you, right, they're, they're mm. going to ask, why are you talking about a cactus in the South Pacific? Right. You think it would be like palm tree or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Perhaps... Raft, or or maybe maybe just the mango. phrase, maybe the phrase, nothing sketchy. Yeah, I like Operation Mango. I feel like there should be an Operation Mango. I'm sure there is. There probably is. Yeah, or is that what uh, is that what we just call it when we hang out with our pal Mangesh? Uh huh. Operation get, Mango. I'm going to start saying that. I love that. <laughs> uh, so three years later, um, and after expenditures of in the neighborhood of a quarter of a billion dollars, they just built a dome over it. Oh, nice. A big, giant concrete dome. So it's kind of, it's the geopolitical version of throwing all your stuff in the closet when company comes over. Yeah, I mean, it takes a little more planning and effort than that, I I would argue. But uh, essentially, you're not far off. Uh, We are talking about a foot and a half thick concrete dome measuring around 100,000 square feet built over the nuclear crater with signage, of course, trying to ward people off. But it is possible to to get to there. You can uh, actually land, I think, on Run It Island. Yeah. And then uh, head over to the old Cactus Dome. The nuclear sarcophagus. It's also called, yeah, which I think is a is a more uh, appropriate name than just Concrete Dome. Also to jump in, there are some great videos out there of people actually going to the Concrete Dome, like, you know, reporters and stuff. It's it's pretty terrifying, and it really makes you hate what the United States have done here. So, question, I mean, were they building this, like, so people wouldn't fall in, or is there actually still, like, you know, radioactivity? Oh, there is full-blown radioactivity. Okay, yeah. that's what uh, I thought. Yeah. And the, the concept of it is to keep all of that in there. Like, basically, cause they blew up, like, Bikini Island and stuff like that. They took all that dirt and they dumped it into this, like, crater and they built concrete around it. And they did a really bad job, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. And this was also part of something called Operation Ivy, or it's a consequence Ooh, of that. It's a great band. Yeah, it is a great band. That's why we're bringing them up. And also, oh, we forgot. We forgot because we have company over. We've got to do the max with the fax sound cue. Yeah, but she won't be able to hear it in real time. Okay, Alex, you're just going to have to believe us. The sound cue is really good. Hold on, I I can get in real time. I can get in real time. 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 Did you assign it to a button? Like a real disc jockey? He can't hear us. He had to take off his headphones. Jeez Louise. I can hear you. No, it's just going to take a second. I got to find it in Dropbox. Right now, here we come. It's Max with the 
Oh. <laughs> makes my heart sing. That's our pal, Matt Frederick. Ale- Alex, what do you think? I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't we know can how claim, to feel. We can claim no credit for it. That's why we're able to really give it, give it, yeah, major, give it its major props. Noel, did you hear the one I made for Lauren? No, no, I didn't. Who's that guest hosting the show? It's Lauren. And she's on this podcast. Hey, Lauren, sorry, Matt wasn't available. You got me instead. It's Lauren with the facts. Yeah. I'll send it to you later. Uh, we've played it on the show once before. Yeah. I think that's one too many times already. Okay. Good. It's, okay. It's, a, it's a little more of a beat poet vibe. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I gave it my best shot. Well, you, you, your efforts were, were much, uh, much appreciated. And, you know, speaking of like covering stuff up that's, that is bad, that people should not uh, sure. venture near. You know, I think I've mentioned before um, in the past, in a previous life, I uh, covered some um, nuclear waste um, dumping sites, you know, that are very hilariously referred to as super fund sites. Right. Um, I, I originally thought that they were saying super fun sites, you know, but that's not what they are. They're not that much fun it's at all. Very misleading name. But in Augusta, where I did some uh, work for public radio, um, and that was kind of my little area. Uh, there's a place called the Savannah River site uh, that is actually a um, storage site for nuclear waste from nuclear weapons and for like decommissioned nuclear weapons and they monitor that area by like tagging wildlife and like kind of catching and releasing them and then measuring them with Geiger counters and a lot of these uh, these sites are literally just pits in the ground where they dumped a lot of this waste. Yeah, it's unfortunately not surprising and when we when we look at the South Pacific, when you look at places like Eniwetok and uh, Bikini, both atolls, uh, what we see is that they had to be evacuated. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of tests, nuclear tests that absolutely rocked these islands. The consequences continue today, even though these atolls have been partially resettled. From 1977 to 1980, the U.S. had a $200 million nuclear cleanup and rehab program for Eniwetok in particular, and people had to live in exile for 33 years before they could move back to their land. And again, they didn't get any say-so on this nuclear testing. And likely, you know, if anything, uh, symbolic compensation. Certainly not adequate compensation. You know, Uh, again, for more details, check out our Stuff They Don't Want You Know episode on nuclear testing in the Marshall Islands. Let's travel to a couple of places before we come back home to the U.S. Let's go to the Soviet Union. Let's, Let's go to Kazakhstan. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, 
and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You ever feel that way? You ever just wake up and you're like, let's go to Kazakhstan. Just bop over to Kazakhstan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this, of course, is, is putting us uh, in the shoes of the other major nuclear power during the Cold War, uh, the Soviet Union. And this, um, a place called Semipolitensk, was the Soviet Union's main test site. The Polygon which is what it was referred to, which is located in the former Soviet Union, was a closed city uh, near Semipalatinsk. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, I believe today they refer to it just as Semi, which I fully stand by. I wish I had said it that way from the start. You know, you're probably not alone in that, uh, including the people who live there. We are, of course, not native Russian speakers. So right. forgive us of any transgressions uh, in the pronunciation department. Mm -hmm. uh, what we need to know about this place is that between 1949 and 1989, over 40 years, there were more than 450 nuclear tests just in this place. 340 were underground. Uh, there were 116 explosions in the atmosphere. The equivalent of this, if you add it all up, this is like blowing up 2,500 Hiroshima bombs. Jesus. So there are a lot of craters in the area. It's like a lunar surface. It's like the moon, man. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, has a reputation for is not 
being too transparent with their communications to their citizenry. You know, as we know in the uh, Chernobyl crisis, the nuclear meltdown, information was contained, you know, to an alarming degree, even when it became clear that there would be nuclear fallout that could affect surrounding areas. Same deal here. Absolutely. Yeah, we know that, we know that they were, we know that the Soviet Union was aware of what it was doing, but it's the Cold War. So they were saying, they were making the greater good argument. And as a result of this greater good, 18,000 square kilometers, well, more than 18,000 square kilometers are heavily contaminated. Over a million people have some serious health problems as a result of this. And it's kind of like that town where they just mine asbestos. Yeah, it's called asbest. <laughs> right. People just live in the Polygon area in this former test site. And as we've talked about, I think we talked about it with Jake Hanrahan on um, Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. A lot of the scientists uh, that work, you know, that, that are members of this society, they are kind of under the thumb in many ways of the government in terms of like what they say is like allowable levels of this kind of uh, contamination. And as we know, even here in the States where scientists are arguably a little more free to speak their minds, yeah. arguably, it's still kind of hard to tie health issues specifically to something even as alarming as this level of contamination. Right. Causality yeah. and, and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. and, it, yeah. and just like the Ralph Nader consumer movement thing, it's a real David and Goliath situation. Yeah. Uh, there's another, there's a returning guest from stuff they don't want you to know that shows up in our next example. Also Soviet Union. This one is in Novaya Zemla, Russia. It's the biggest bomb ever exploded. The, the Tsar Bomba. That's a great name for a big bomb. That's a great name for like a um, Davachka Beirut type of band. I was about band, to say, yeah. Right? Or, or it could be like an LCD sound system type band, like a cool kind of dance punk type band. Mm -hmm. I'm down with that. Sar Bamba. I'm putting that in my back pocket for my next uh, disco project. Um, but yeah, this is the BDE bomb. And just to quote a fabulous article from Atlas Obscura, because I just think they do such a good job at turning a phrase here. Um, who's the Who's the author been? It, there's not an author on this one. That's right, because sometimes they just do to editorial. Uh, at first glance, the barren landscape of Novoya Zemlya, Russian for new land, might not seem like the sort of place where anything interesting has ever happened. Wow. But Jeez. I know, right? Atlas Obscura needs some coffee. Hot take. Uh, but its remote location and small population meant that it was designated as a nuclear test site in 1954. And over the next 35 years, it was the location of 224 nuclear detonations, including the world's largest nuclear explosion, Zarbon. Bamba. 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 Yeah. Uh, Bamba is also like a dance, right? Mm -hmm. like, la, yeah. la, Bamba. Uh, dropped by the Soviet Union in 1961 over Novoya Zemlya Island. Most of the island still remains a military base to this day, although cruise ships often frequent the southern part of the archipelago, which is a fun word to say. Archipelago, not cruise ship. I love I love an archipelago, man. I, I like saying archipelago. Ooh, see, I only do an arch, but I think maybe that's wrong, but that's just the way my mouth says it. I like that word because it feels like you're juggling with your mouth. Mm -hmm. So what you guys are saying is Ben is an architect while Noel, you're an arch villain. That's right. Yeah. An arch nemesis. Uh, Ooh, Jonathan's going to be mad. No, we don't, we don't have two nemeses in the budget. I also have fallen arches, which is why I'm excluded from military service. 
And bone spurs. Likely story. <laughs> but, uh, and psoriasis. Yeah. And malaise. Yeah, totally. <laughs> General <laughs> malaise. Let's not forget that one. I wanted Birds. Well, who go to war with birds? Oh, God. If that ever happens, I'm out. I want to do, uh, I do want to, do, do. I do want to do a um, uh, episode in the future on obscure historical maladies. I love reading things like that when they say, unfortunately, young Winifred fell to the brain fevers. Yes, indeed. Uh, speaking of bird wars, though, by the way, there, there was, did we do something on the emu wars in yes. Australia? Yeah, yeah. I think we did. Emus are terrifying, man. They're dinosaur claws. Mm-hmm. Could disembowel you like a raptor in 2.5. You'd be holding your guts like Dennis Nedry in the book version. Uh, cassowaries as well. Those are the worst ones. Those are even worse. I don't know why. I know they're more dangerous, but shoebills freak me out. Have you ever heard the sound they make? I know that they're horrible, horrible nightmare faces and beaks. They look like they're always scheming. It's they're, awful. They're always like... Really mm. narrowed eyes. Yeah, they're rough, man. Not that's cool. How, that's how they Not look. Cool. The cassowary, though, really does disembowel its prey. It will 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an... Swoop! Zook! It is an F around and foul out. (laughs) F-O-W-L. So anyway, uh, Atomic Survival Town. That's the name of a real place. We're going to end this one here. Is this like an amusement park? (laughs) Can I go here? And they they issue you like a cool, like, you know, like a gas mask or Mm -hmm. like whatever, like a fallout suit. Yeah. Yeah. Hazmat suit of some sort. That sounds like fun. I want to go to Atomic Survival Town. It sounds like like Ghost Town in the Sky or like one of those like, you know, kind of uh, uh, frontier type, you know, attractions. Yeah. This is probably one of the better known sites on our list. Uh, Going back to Atlas Obscura. In 1955, there were 14 different test explosions at Yucca Flat, and this was part of something called Operation Teacup, which... Sounds so dainty. I, uh, yeah. Pinky up, you know? I always want... All decorum. I always wanted the job of being the person who gets to pick those names. I feel like... Operation Mango for me all day. Yeah, We had some good ones. We had Operation Cottage, Operation Land Crab. What was that, two weeks ago? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we should be in charge of naming more of these top secret government operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll write the email later. Operation f*** around and find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or F around and foul out uh, the cassowary deployment. <laughs> so, yes. So, the the most memorable parts of these tests were the reason it's called Atomic Survival Town is because they built a dummy town. Cool. Sort of like when uh, the Allies built that fake Paris. Just so. Yeah. yeah. Which is an episode that's sort of like, what is it? The the Mandala effect? We're like, we swear we did this episode. Or did we just hang out and talk about it? I think it? We, we had a brief for this and we, in our minds, totally did it. But we obviously didn't do it or it's been lost to time and or our publishing apparatus. Because we're saving it for our pal, Casey Pegram. That's right, because he's our, our uh, resident fr- Francophone. Yes. Francophile. He, he very much is. Francophiliac? No. Mm, that makes it sound weird. Does. <laughs> so, yeah, he is, uh, he is definitely our, our Francophone friend. And for folks who have asked, uh, I want to take a quick aside here. Uh, Casey is still very much a, a big part of the show. We are all friends. We hang out. Casey is just a very busy guy. He makes a lot of other shows, but he says hello, and we're going to have him on one day mm-hmm. for the Paris episode mm-hmm. that we can't remember recording. But to, to, to get back to the topic at hand yes. here, Atomic Survival Town in Nevada, a series of 14 nuclear test sites uh, that were a part of Operation Teacup, as you said. Uh, the most memorable part of this operation was a purpose-built 
town with homes and other townly structures built at varying distances from the blast to just see. F around and find out. See how these these structures would be affected. This one could argue is a thoughtful operation that does take the human uh, collateral um, into account. And that's not even the creepiest part. You're right. It is a better plan than many of the other ones. It's also very Twilight Zone because they didn't just make fake buildings and a fake town. They populated it with fake people, realistic-looking mannequin families. Dapperly dressed, no doubt. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. I don't like being around mannequins. Yeah, it's also like anytime there's a creepy basement or a creepy attic. There's a mannequin. There's always a mannequin with no arms. Just hanging out. Where do they come from? I feel like they're judging. I, uh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the ones with no head and no arms, you know, like a dressmaker's dummy yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's just every horror house had someone that was trying needlework, you know, or making their own clothes and then just kind of gave up. And then the thing goes in the attic. I, I mean, once it's such a sunk cost fallacy. Once you have a mannequin, what are you going to do? Throw it away? Put that it in a creepy attic. Weird. Yeah, you put it in the weirdest room in your house. I, you guys know my grandfather, uh, when he was alive, was a sculptor. And so he had mannequins. 
and they were in the part of the garage that people didn't go to. That way when the Scooby-Doo gang comes a call and you give them a good fright. Yeah, sure. And then give them, uh, you know, a consolation mannequin. Mm-hmm. He didn't solve the murder, but here's here's a body. Yeah. Anyway, so this survival Make a, make a bustier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, getting the needlework. This survival town, also sometimes called Doomtown. Love that. Had these folks. Also a good band name. Yeah, yeah. Also had these folks going about their day-to-day routines, you know, and they did some research. They said, where would these people be at this point, at this time of day when this bomb detonates? What happens when a bomb explodes over a real town? So this was definitely worthwhile research. But folks, look up the pictures. If you if you can't tell how creeped out we are by talking about this, just go ahead and ruin your afternoon. Total spooksville. A hundred percent spooky town. And you know what happened just now, Noel, Max... Alex, hey, thanks for hanging out. Uh, I think we're going to have to make this just the Nuclear Bits episode. I know it's a little bit short, but we have this long list of lost bits. We yeah. Might, we might have to go, like, category by category. This one is themed. It felt that way. It felt right and natural. Also, we got a holiday coming up, so, you know, we're just, just, just give us a break, y'all. Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Come on. We're people, too. It's Labor Day. Podcasters are people, too. It's Labor Day, and you can celebrate it even if you're not currently pregnant. Is that right? Is that the one where you're not supposed to wear white after it, or you do wear white after it? Or it's one you of You don't. Those. You don't. Why? I don't understand. And that's a tale for another day, I, guess I think. So. Yeah. Uh, we should also get into the history of the Labor Day movement, right? Uh, since we just did a Nader episode representing consumers. Uh, oh. And I think when we do that one, we can, uh, maybe we can save the wearing white reveal. No, well, can I just do it now? Yeah. I've yeah. already got it up on the screen. Sure. It's just, I think we should, this obviously shouldn't be a thing. Okay. If this is correct. It's uh, the holiday originated in the 1880s, um, was the official end of the summer and the start of the fall. The quote unquote rule, you cannot wear white after Labor Day, spans back to the late 19th century and was reportedly invented by an elite group to use fashion to separate those with and without money. Oh, Boo. Great. Not in the spirit of the labor movement. At I, all. I like... Wear white. I yes. like the uh, idea... Well, as a colorblind person, I'm kind of restricted to gray tones. my white nails done. You got your white... Oh, nice. That's going to last at least a couple weeks. Fight the system. <laughs> uh, also, whenever I think of wearing white after Labor Day, I am reminded of one very amazing film, Serial Mom. Do you guys remember Serial Mom? Well, I know she, she murdered people based on them not having, you know... White manners. She, uh, yeah, and she killed people she killed uh someone for wearing white shoes after labor day that's right yeah that's yeah that's funny and th- that's a john waters movie that's yeah. yeah a lot of people don't realize that that's oh that john tracks waters that tracks yeah and it, it holds up it's it's pretty funny yeah i have to, I'll have to i haven't seen it in years i just remember thinking it was probably it felt like his a more accessible john waters movie considering yeah. that some of his early stuff involves like eating poop and uh, stuff corpora, like that mm-hmm. yeah corpophagy yeah. that's right is that the word God, mm. you're so good with these words <laughs> also guys to jump in here because you know since we're you know just gonna talk about nukes today i got one more i wanted to throw in there this is not on the sheet this Ooh, is an extra secret a curveball it's okay. uh we're gonna talk about bikini atoll which is also yep. part of uh of the marshall islands right. this is the one they basically blew up but Funny enough, this is the origin story for Godzilla. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There was there were some people who were safely evacuated. I'm doing strong air quotes across the glass <laughs> to y'all. I don't know if y'all see them, but they just saw this giant explosion 
And then there was this conspiracy theory that the explosion and all, you know, all the dirt and everything rising up was a monster coming from the sea, which is where the creation myth of Godzilla came from. What all actuality, they just blew up an island in a country in the middle of the ocean. I, I think we talked about this many times. That yeah. The United States just have this, you know, this weird kind of f***ed up kink of just going to the ocean and just blowing up these beautiful islands. They called it manifest destiny. <laughs> and Godzilla was almost this, this, this personification of like retribution for trying to play God. Sure. You know, yeah. like it comes for your cities, you know, your, mm-hmm. your modern, uh, you know, meccas or whatever. And, and, and Godzilla doesn't care. Let's do the origins of Godzilla, too. That's oh, poetic. Yeah, yeah, there's so much symbol- symbolism. If we're talking about that kind of stuff and that kind of genre, and I'm sure, Ben, I'm pretty positive you've seen this. There is a film by Bong Joon-ho called The Host. Yes. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah, a yeah, yeah. very cool, modern kind of Godzilla. It's not a giant creature, which I like, which I think if you know, if you want a modern giant creature film, I still think Cloverfield, the original one, is quite good. Quite yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But The Host is, it doesn't even bother with the backstory too much. It just basically starts with a bunch of scientists messing with chemicals and then there's a monster and then that's the movie and it's uh and it's, it's awesome korean korean yeah yeah, yeah. it's but yeah. it's, it's 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 very much a character study and, and all of these characters kind of end up being these archetypes and there's like one who's like a olympic archer and of course some archery comes into play but it the cgi really holds up there's the the first kind of monster attack scene is like on a lakeside kind of it's and it bracing. is really really good. Also, I, I I was curious about this. I know I'm always proposing adventures and you guys aren't always into them. What are you talking about? Man? Hot I'm air balloons. Clown. No, not See? doing that. All right. Not doing that We're ever. Talking. I only, talking big. That's, that, that was a bait. That wasn't fair. You know, <laughs> I just don't. I've, I've got a heights thing, man. You can visit. Uh, here's hoping. Wait, is he talking about high air balloons again? Yeah. yeah. Ben, no, we did an entire episode about this. You don't get to know. What is life if not to be lived? I'll okay. do it in to VR. Die. I, ben, I, like, I want my life to be longer. Hot air balloons are just death traps. So you're saying... Especially because a mob might come and tear apart a hot air balloon. Think of them as freedom traps. Yeah. Or, or, or how about this? Does you want to fly like a bird, man? I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate. Are you devil's advocating me? Yeah, I I am. How about this, guys? You don't have to go in the hot air balloon. You know I'm working on getting my pilot license for a real plane. No offense to hot air balloon nuts, <laughs> balloonies, but uh, but we can once the war ends, and we all hope the war ends. Wait, there's a we war. Could, we could travel to Chernobyl. <laughs> the war with Eurasia. Okay. We've always been at war with East Asia. Yeah, I have a better idea, guys. I have a better. Idea. Alex, what do you think of hot air balloons? I can confirm I've been on one before. Cool. You're the bravest one amongst us. And I survived. Yeah, good, good job. I would do, like, I also am not a huge fan of open air, high roller coasters. They freak, like, the Goliath, the Six Flags. Yeah. I, 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 I go through these periods where I'll get over a fear and do it for a while, and then the fear returns, and then I'll no longer do it. That's how my claustrophobia is. It, go, it, it waxes and wanes. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, how is your, uh, what would the word be, radiophobia? Uh, your fear of radiation. Chernobyl has some amazing wildlife. When the war in Ukraine ends, I think it would be really cool to go there. Yeah, it's it's like become sort of this weird wildlife refuge. Like where, the DMZ. That's right. Remind me what Gorky Park is, Ben. 
there's a song by the Scorpions mm-hmm. called The Winds of Change. Um, and there was an excellent podcast about how that was, like, theoretically was meant to be, like, it was like a, a sleeper kind of, like, government implant to, uh. like, create this sense of, like, you know, Russia, Russian kind of um, unity or something like there's that. A, there's a, a park in Moscow. Yeah. But Gorky Park. The, but the lyric is, uh, like, something like down in Gorky Park. And it's, you know, The Winds of Change. Ah, yes. So they're probably, there, there is funding from the FBI historically that goes into those sorts of hearts and minds war right. of entertainment. So it might be something like that. They, they never prove it unequivocally, I believe, in sure. the podcast, sure, but sure. it is something that the lyric is I follow the Moskva down to Gorky Park, listening to the wind of change, an August summer night, soldiers passing by, listening to the winds of change. It's weird because the Scorpions were a German band. Okay. And it's just, the, the whole, it's a really interesting podcast. You what, should check what, it out. What year was that uh, song? This song came out in 1990. Okay, that tracks for me. You know why? Because the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. That's right. So the, there's an article uh, in The Guardian. Winds of change. Did the CIA write the Cold War's biggest <laughs> anthem? <laughs> right. Scorpion's power ballad was the sound of the Iron Curtain's fall. But a new podcast explores rumors that it was propaganda. Nice. And we're going to call it a day there. We can't wait to explore more of the, the things we thought we lost. Congratulations, Max, Noel, Alex, It's our first clip show. Uh, Thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks our research associate, Max Williams. Uh, Noel, thank you to you. Thank you to uh, the Quizster, our own Cold War nemesis, uh, and Alex Williams, who composed composed our our theme. Yeah, this banging bop that you're hearing right betwixt your very ears. Hate by the CIA. Guys, question, question, Mm -hmm. question for you. So if the biggest Russian nuke was called Tsar Bomba, what would Strickland's name be if he was a nuke? Is uh, it was Zarbalda. Ouch. Oh, that's so mean. I mean, isn't that what we were going for? We but going he for? said he doesn't yeah, like, you know, we nice? Chrome Dome and things like that. Yeah, Zarbalda is a little more innocuous than oh, Chrome he, Dome. He was on that episode, wasn't he? He was on that episode. Well, that one's for you, Strick. Hope you are well. I can't wait for you to join us again soon on air. Uh, Our pal Jonathan does have a lot of cool things he is cooking up, and maybe maybe if we can have a bit of an amnesty on air, he'll tell us about them. I'm sure we can do an armistice. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com.
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.